0: How do you become smarter? Let's define what being smart means. Being smart has two parts. The first part is about connecting the dots between concepts and ideas quickly. The second part is about communicating that succinctly and effectively. Therefore, the key to the first component of smartness is pattern recognition. Can you find the similarities or differences between two separate concepts? And if it's not so binary as similarities or differences, What are the distinctions between the two things you're talking about? I don't think there is a shortcut to getting better at pattern recognition, besides asking you to learn and reflect on everything in your life continuously. This repetition will build your sensitivity in recognizing patterns. So the more that you can read or do work or experience things in life and upon reflection, the more you can see those patterns and see them quickly but I do think there is a way to building your memory retention on pattern recognition more systematically. That's what I want to share right here. I have found that one of the best ways to start drawing connections between everything in life is by increasing your vocabulary on concepts that you can then utilize in your daily speech. So let me give you an example. In fact, I'm going to read you a list of such concepts that I have written in my work journal that I review from time to time. I'm going to read you the entire list and I will spend some time talking about a couple that I find extra valuable or more commonly used by myself. So here's the list. Path of least resistance. Leading lagging indicator. Lowest common denominator. Cost of entry. Leading edge versus trailing edge. Context switching. Scaffolding. Monolithic block with lockstep preferences. Objection handling. Compensatory control. Cognitive leap. Paradox. As you hear, the first thing I read was path of least resistance. You use the term path of least resistance when you want to point out exactly that. What is the path where you will find the least resistance? (laughs) Extending this concept, we all want to pursue the path of least resistance in our lives and everything we do. Unless you intentionally want to make your own life harder for yourself for whatever reason. (laughs) Human beings, we like efficiency and ease. And you can say path of least resistance anywhere. What is my path of least resistance at work to get promoted? What is my path of least resistance to getting my work journal stocked at different gift shops? These are examples of how you can use this term. Yet I never really hear this being used very often. Next, leading or lagging indicators. This is a term that is borrowed from data analytics. In fact, if you look into the realm of math and science, you'll find that these two fields are ripe with concepts you can borrow and use to convey your parallel ideas better and faster. A leading indicator is something that gives you clues to what is about to come, and a lagging indicator is the opposite of that. This is a term that is used less because I think (laughs) It's kind of obnoxious to say that the leading indicator of your wife yelling at you is her bursting into tears, right? It's just that people just don't say that, though I guess you technically could. Next, lowest common denominator, another concept borrowed from math. I love using this one because everybody knows this term. It was taught in second grade math when kids learned about fractions, so numerators and denominators were introduced then. But yes, instead of saying, for example, what is the commonality in all the people we are interviewing today, and what can we look forward to seeing on top of this common quality, you can simply say, what is the lowest common denominator in this group of people? Short, sweet, conveys exactly what it means, I love it. Next, objection handling. Objection handling is a concept that is borrowed from sales. So sales is a field ripe with these types of terms as well. You can be objection handling with anyone in your life you're selling to, whether that's your spouse or someone at work or anybody in between, whenever you're doing a sales, really. And uh, because you're technically constantly selling in your life, whether it's your idea that you want someone else to develop uh, de- adopt develop or maybe selling your skills so you can get a new job these are all sales situations so that's why objection handling is such a good concept to borrow and use as well i got to be honest some of these terms come more easily to me because i use it in my my life more frequently than others which is why rereading this list helps for example a monolithic block with lockstep preferences. I really don't think I've ever said that. It's not top of, me, top of mind for me at all. I also can't remember where I got it from, but certainly when I first heard it, it was poignant enough for me that I immediately wrote it down, and that's why it's in my work journal. But I do hope to get to a place one day actually where this can roll off my tongue really easily and not be something I, essentially memorized from my work journal. The second piece of being smart is communication, and language plays such a big role in this. I'm a native English speaker, English is my dominant language, even though I do also speak Mandarin Chinese, and that is also a a native language for me. And that's why a concept like paradox is on my list. Paradox is really just an English word course it conveys what it means and has a lot of meaning but for some reason this word is just not really in my vocabulary and I and I really want it to be because I think so many things in life are paradoxes but for whatever reason because it's not really in my vocabulary I have to really think about using this concept intentionally to be able to use it in my daily speech more As I'm sharing all of this, I know that I'm thinking about some people right now saying to me that all these words and concepts I shared are unnecessarily flowery, they're very fancy English words, and we we don't need to be so fancy. And what I would say to that is actually, I think it's an honor for us to be able to speak the English language and to be able to, to tap into these hard words and use it in speech the alphabet exists in this language so that we can create these words and that they do exist and that we speak it and i wouldn't necessarily say that about other languages such as mandarin chinese for example that's the other language i speak i think the honor in being able to speak chinese for me is to be able to participate in my culture and and to know that chinese is a language that stem from drawings which uh, is the basis of it and i think that is so cool. If this is all of interest to you, you would probably find linguistics very interesting. But yes, these two languages share such different evolutions and how I feel about them are very different as well. So this is a call from me to you that we should think about using uh, some of those concepts I shared with you just now. And this is actually why I think analogies and metaphors are so effective in daily speech also. Everyone appreciates when you can relate their experience to something else that's true in the world that people instantly relate to. For example, maybe the ebb and flow of the tide represents the trials and tribulations you're experiencing right now in your life. It's predictable, yielding, even powerful, yet routine, and having a quality of inevitability as nature represents commonly. Or, from the list I read you, take the example of the word scaffolding. The way you would use it would sound like this. I want to go to grad school as scaffolding for my next career. When I share with you that you need to learn certain knowledge in order to build the scaffold for the next set of knowledge, that is so much more powerful of an imagery than saying it plainly. The biggest benefit to being succinct and communicating effectively is that you captivate your audience better when you are. People appreciate brevity, and the benefits of communicating effectively is in so many parts in life, I'm not going to elaborate on that. Let's talk about the benefits of being smart. The more an interesting and obvious one is recognition and social capital. Being smart is a praise that typically rewards you handsomely in social situations and work situations but I think one of the benefits of being smart that people don't really talk about, or maybe don't agree with, I don't know, is personal fulfillment. I know that when I can make a connection between two different concepts and communicate that effectively, and I know that for myself, I feel a ton of gratification around this. It's like, I want to give myself a high five and say crushed it. I killed that. That was awesome i never identified with being smart until just a few years ago i think it's because you always tend to compare yourself to people you surround yourself with and i have been blessed to be surrounded by brilliant people my whole life really and especially in college you know those people who never study in college while you're spending all day and night studying and then you both show up to the same exam and they get an A and you get like a B minus. Those were the people that I found smart. I didn't think I was smart because by that definition, smart to me then meant that you could learn the material, you learned it quickly and you could regurgitate and almost apply it uh, to the exam questions when they were asked of you in a different way. And I didn't do that very well. And so I didn't identify with being smart. I somewhat identified with being hardworking. I'll certainly put in the time and effort to study um, for these exams. I at least tried, but the material did not come easily to me. In fact, I actually failed several of my accounting classes in college. And whenever I took them, I'm pretty sure I just got C's all the way to pass, just, just to pass. Accounting is one of those things that doesn't make any sense to me, oh my god. Accounting is like artificial math. Why are some things debits and the other things credits? And why do you take the credit at this time versus the I just don't get it. Like the depreciation, what is going on, no. So the turning point of all of this for me then happened when I started working, specifically a few years into me being a data analyst actually. As I shared in the last episode, I worked with some of the smartest people I have ever met when I worked in data. And I think their usage of these concepts I shared earlier, and just seeing how they work and how they talk, that rubbed off on me. And so eventually, when I wasn't in that environment anymore, I carried on being this way. And I realized then that I was the one bringing these new ways of thinking to my new environments. Time and time again, when I look back on my workday and think about moments when I provided value or was seen as smart, I realize it's because of how quickly I made the connections of what's at hand and sharing that with my coworkers effectively. I will also say though that when I started working, I also realized that I don't speak eloquently at all. So I'm still constantly working on the second piece of being smart, this piece with regards to communicating my thoughts. In fact, I think working as a data analyst made me a wordier person in a bad way. Here's what I would do. I would say the same thing in five different ways and let the person I'm conversing with parse out the information they need to hear for themselves. I would kind of just word dump on them in this way. And one time, it took me, this very one specific manager I had, he told me and gave me feedback that that was what I was doing. And that's when I realized this was not an effective way to communicate with your colleagues at work. You're much better served if you asked questions to them up front to understand exactly what they don't understand That uh, when you're sharing information with them and just addressing those as opposed to what I did. And I think I did this because this is kind of how I operated, actually. I subconsciously, so I started doing this back to other people. For example, when I call into a 1-800 hotline for customer service because I need some help, the best customer service rep for me is somebody who just talks for five minutes straight quickly around my issue of concern once they hear my problem statement. And then I can interpret that information myself as I listen to them for five minutes and ask a follow-up question back when I hadn't heard what I needed to hear to resolve my own issue. So that's what I would do to other people. I would essentially switch the roles. So I would give people a monologue and hope that I shared with them something that they needed to hear in my monologue, and I would hope that they could parse that out for themselves. But with more working experience, I know now that this isn't effective. Uh, and I'm much better at this now. And I think it helped that the coworkers I interface with on a daily basis now are primarily not a data analytics crowd. So that's it. Those are my thoughts on how to become smarter. If you got something out of this, I'd love to hear from you.